That's really interesting. You should tell me that story again when I'm less sleepy. Hi, welcome back to River Heights Radio. I'm Carl Hauser. And I'm Hope Busby. And we're here today to talk about that... Elevator writing. Dehypnotizing. Walnut tree inspecting. Seance skeptic, Nancy Drew. Our mystery today, the ghost of Blackwood Hall. Yes, the singular ghost. Interesting note, uh, this mystery contains no ghost nor does it contain anything that nancy thinks is a ghost there's no haunting the closest we have is like the spirit of dead relatives and it's less to do with nancy drew like proving that there's nothing to be afraid of and more to do with nancy proving that there's nothing waiting for you in the afterlife also blackwood hall doesn't show up until like page 70 yeah there's definitely no (laughs) ghost of that place (laughs) Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, this whole mystery, I'm just, it's so bittersweet because you're like, okay, she's going to solve this, but she's just going to prove to everyone that none of their loved ones are talking to them. Yeah. We'll get to it. Coincidentally, at the beginning of this book, Nancy is reading exciting ghost stories. See, I wish I was reading an exciting ghost story. <laughs> she says to Togo. Is Togo in this one? Welcome back, Togo, the... Fox Terrier. Ooh, he's had uh, some work done. Yeah. If I ever try to solve a mystery with a ghost in it, I'll use a smart cat to help me. Cats aren't afraid of ghosts, she says to Togo. Do you remember when Nancy would stand in the garden and and ponder about her life as an Egyptian princess? Mm. And, you know, think about history. Now she's just like, if I see a ghost, I want a cat with brains. Yeah. <laughs> It's just not as, I don't know, there's something lacks something. Well, we've talked from the beginning about how sometimes I think that the omniscient narrator has chosen the wrong thoughts to share with us. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting because Togo does go on to help them solve the mystery. Yeah, Togo's instrumental in this one. Right away, he starts barking at the door and uh, Hannah is not pleased. She asks Togo, what's wrong with you? Are you broken, little dog? (laughs) I just feel like I've never, I've been annoyed with my dogs barking. I've never asked them, what's wrong with you? (laughs) You've said things to our dogs when they're barking that made you afterwards question if you would be a good mother. (laughs) Yes, and I still didn't say, what's wrong with you? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with Togo. It's Mr. Freeman, good old Mr. Freeman the jeweler. Yes. We all know him. Not as interesting as Salty or anything, but he's coming up the path. So he wants her to meet Mrs. Putney, who is apparently a fine woman, who's going to be our old lady of the book. Uh, A widow who he's willing to leave his jewelry store for. Yeah. It's the middle of the day, uh, and he's like, I shouldn't have left my jewelry store, but this 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 is important. We haven't seen someone leave their jewelry store since The Secret of Shadow Ranch. That didn't go well. That ended in a robbery. Crime is sky high midday during business hours. That's when people are looking for closed businesses Mm -hmm. to break into. Mm -hmm. Well, but he says it's important. It's important. You see, Nancy, Mrs. Putney will tell you everything because you're a girl. Nancy has about the reaction to that that I would. The, to jump ahead, Mrs. Putney has been sworn to tell no man nor woman these secrets. Mm. But girls, and I assume boys, <laughs> but I don't know, the Hardy Boys are out of town maybe. The point is, 
children can know her secrets. <laughs> so we learned about Nancy that she inherited both courage and keen intelligence. I assume from her dad. That's typically who she inherits it from. They never tell us anything that she inherited from her mother. And Nancy Drew inherited uh, lust for near-death experiences from her mother. Uh, her mom just didn't get out of hers. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> the point is... <laughs> so Mrs. Putney is persuaded by this logic yep. of the girl detective. And she tells Nancy, I was warned by my husband's spirit never to tell any man or woman, but you're legit. So she tells her, first of all, my husband died a few months ago. That's why I'm only talking to his spirit, not the whole guy. Mm -hmm. He told me to go bury my jewelry in a forest. Oh, was it your forest? No, a random forest. He told me to go bury it there. So Mm -hmm. I did. And then I thought maybe that was unwise. So I went and dug it up and brought it to Mr. Freeman. Somebody replaced everything with really convincing imitations. (laughs) Right. So I don't even know. Yeah. Nancy was amazed that a woman of Mrs. Putney's apparent intelligence should commit such a foolish act. However, she remained silent. And I think it's interesting because intelligence gets referred to a lot in this book as the reason why Mrs. Putney shouldn't have been a victim and these other women, I guess it's okay that they were victims. But also Mrs. Putney is clearly grieving pretty hard and wants to talk to her husband. We talk about her apparent intelligence. This woman says, my dead husband told me to go out Joseph Smith style, dig up a hole, put all my jewelry in it and leave it there. The apparent intelligence is low. What are you talking about? That's apparently low intelligence. Yeah, everything she knows about this woman. Is one stupid move. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, she's rich, so. Yeah, must have been, she must have married smart at least. Yeah. Nancy, who did not believe in ghosts or spirits, nevertheless respected Mrs. Putney's belief and was diplomatic in her reply. So if it's not best, we can respect other beliefs. Nancy, uh, the book points out, her mother was not living. So she knows about dead relatives. Yes. (laughs) But her mother was a uh, conglomeration of chemicals and flesh and is now gone forever. Nancy knows this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's nothing there. So they bring Togo to inspect the forest Mm -hmm. where the bag was buried before it was replaced with a fake bag and, and fake jewels. By the way... Mm-hmm. If you are going to con a woman <laughs> out of her jewelry, and I'm going to say this now so I don't say it for like 10 times in this book. If you're going to con her out of her jewelry by telling her to bury it in the woods, just don't leave high quality replacement jewelry for her to event. That's just proof of a crime. Just take it. Just take it and, and leave a bear dropping. You know, it was a bear. Instead of leaving the calling card of... The best fake jewelry maker in the nation, who we will later meet. Anyway, so they go out there with Togo. Nancy finds a half an ad for beautiful lights, no assistance. Is this, I I couldn't even tell, is this an ad for something we see? Is it for the seances or? I assume it connects to the ad she later finds for like a magician's rod. That's what it must be. Okay, well, she slips into her pocket, uh, doubtful of the value of the find, but just in case. She knows what happened the last time she decided to not slip a clue in her pocket. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, speaking of, she also sees a shiny metal rod, but before she can pick it up, in the moments as her hand reaches for it, there's a scream which shakes the forest. <laughs> so they all 
run after the scream, as, as people are wont to do. Nancy did not for a moment share Miss Putney's belief that there were spirits watching the woods. And yet, she did find them depressing. Yes. <laughs> Probably because of all the screams and litter. So much for forest bathing, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, they run off to see what the scream is. Mrs. Putney waits in the car. She doesn't want to go back into that forest. Yeah. Too depressing. But Nancy says, I'm, I'm going to go find out what that metal thing was. So she goes back in and she starts feeling like someone's watching her. And she says, I've allowed Mrs. Putney's ghost talk to get on my nerves. She chides herself. We haven't seen that in a few books. There's several times in this book when she's like, dumb, Nancy, dumb, stop yeah. it. Yeah. Stop feeling. It's more like the old Nancy. Togo also doesn't like these woods. Mm. He senses something is afoot. Every rustle of the leaves seemed to warn her to be careful. I guess it doesn't occur to her, maybe I'm nervous because a person is watching me. She's rather annoyed at her own misgivings. Yeah. And uh, she does find some footprints where the metal thing used to be. Obviously, they were fresh. And she determines that the person who left them was a tall, thin man. I love that this suggests when Nancy got to the scene... The bad guys had left behind a clue on accident, but were luckily within enough proximity to her finding the clue to send someone to scream mm. in a different direction to distract her so they could pick up the clue, mm -hmm. which is the best mix of like really on top of it and not at all on top of it, because yep, why was yep. it there to begin mm -hmm. with? Nancy's attractive face tightened as she finally put together that a real person might be watching her and that danger might be lurking in this forest. It's a pre-dead ghost. She has decided that this thief must be a very clever thief for having replaced all that jewelry with imitation jewelry. Yeah, Nancy's got a very different uh, view of the word clever than I do. Yes. <laughs> Carson is described in this book as a tall, distinguished-looking man of middle age. Hot, but not as hot as the past stories. <laughs> uh, he finds the fake jewels. He's like, Nancy, what do you mean, robbing jewelry stores? <laughs> you see, Hope, Nancy and Carson were very companionable and shared a delightful <laughs> sense of humor. You know, like, waka waka, did you steal some jewels? Yep, it's hilarious. Well, uh, Nancy is like, listen, Mrs. Putney swore me to secrecy. And Carson, he's like, I don't like that. I don't like that. Nancy, if an adult tells you to keep a secret, that's not okay. In their discussion of the fake jewelry, Carson says, I'm sure, for whatever reason... All the jewelers in River Heights are honest men. So you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, if you want jewelry in River Heights that isn't real, not from our jewelers. You'll have to get that imported. <laughs> However, Mr. Bigelow, the jeweler, tells Nancy about his former employee who went to jail for fraud, Howard Brex. Nancy became excited because Howard Brex is tall and thin. Did you know that those footprints were left by a tall and thin man? Tall, thin. <laughs> Just like Howard Brex. Jewelry. <laughs> I love the like 100% recidivism rate in River Heights. Like, Oh, absolutely. If you were, if you went to jail for making fake jewels and now you're out of jail. So, um. Well, it's hard once you get that look. 
that angry mean look. <laughs> Once it's on your face, that's yeah. too late for you. Yeah. Carson says, you think he may be the thief, referring to Howard Brex. Mm-hmm. And Nancy, thrilled, says, oh, I do. <laughs> At her house, she finds George and Bess on the porch. In this book, George is deeply tanned and Bess is fair complexioned. Ooh, sporty. Nancy, like you always greet your friends, says, I may have some news for you. As she escorts them into her living room, she proceeds to leave them there and go to phone Mrs. Putney. She just jets. Yeah, can you imagine? And so she calls Mrs. Putney and she says, Hey, Mrs. Putney, I've got two assistants, but don't worry, they're girls. Can I tell the secret to them? (laughs) Mrs. Putney is reluctant, but she does say it's okay. So Nancy comes back in the room and is like, how would you girls like to go to New Orleans with me? (laughs) To what? Wait, what was the news? New Orleans? Okay. Is it a mystery, Nancy, they want to know? Well, right now I'm looking for a tall, dark man. He had been like a tall slender man but i guess he became dark yes at some point mm-hmm. uh oh boy what would ned say to that they ask nancy blushed is it another hot villain no it's just nonsense <laughs> um nancy knows she can go to new orleans because apparently carson promised her a trip the the dealership didn't have any more cars so I was like, you know. uh and carson is sure that brex's fence which is a guy who sells stuff for you and not a, li- a fence like I was confused by, mm-hmm. uh, is probably in Nolens. Mm. And Nancy's like, I don't think Dad wants to come anyway. So you girls come. <laughs> on the- Okay, so on the plane, this woman's sitting next to Bess. Yeah, they stop for a rest and they stretch their legs, get back into the plane. Yep, 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 yep. And yep. there's a new passenger. And that passenger's, you know, digging through her purse for Werther's or whatever, normal stuff uh, for a plane. And, and she's like, oh, you know, hi, Bess. What are, you, what, are you, what are you up to? And apparently Bess does not even get her name because for the rest of the book, we have to hear about the woman from the airplane. Yeah, they Instead of the name. <laughs> not even a fake name. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess Bess just sat down and was like... I'm friends with Nancy Drew. We're on a mystery. We're going to New Orleans to track down someone who made fake jewelry. But also, like, just everything. And she's like, where are you staying? And she's like, oh, yeah, let me tell you my room number. Yeah. We're <laughs> staying at the Monte Carlo. Room room 204. Carson says, I can get room service. Um, I mean, it is weird because, like, there's not a lot of reason to... N- not talk to someone on a plane because mm. is the is the idea that someone who knows that you are searching for a jeweler is going to buy a plane ticket to go with you public transportation is their main way of like getting information finding at all targets. yeah so yeah maybe it was complete coincidence well she has to go to new orleans anyway because that's where their base is i guess yep, yep. so yeah george scolds best You'll never learn to be a detective. <laughs> so mean. Well, it's Bess's. I mean, Bess has been dreaming about learning to be a detective for so long. Well, we found out she was a super detective last week. <laughs> yeah, well, now she's a Gabby airplane goer. <laughs> 
Bess says, you know, we're in New Orleans. Let's get ourselves some oysters baked with garlic and Creole shrimp. And George uh, looks with disdain upon Bess's generous weight. <laughs> it's just so horrible. The funny thing is, after after George is like, yeah, you're fat, uh, the book says, the girls ate sensibly. <laughs> so, you know. So it all turned out okay. I don't know if sensibly and just And they means... went to bed early. Yeah. <laughs> Very healthy young ladies in New Orleans. Well, they do a lot of sightseeing in New Orleans, like you do. Have a good time. Nancy annoyingly wants to go into every jewelry shop. Oh my god. But they do visit a graveyard that's above ground, and Bess assures them that she does not believe in spirits. What would be a below-ground graveyard? Like, what does that mean? Bar- the tombs aren't buried. Oh, They're above ground because the, the of the bodies flooding. are above ground. Yes. Oh, gross. Yeah. It's a thing in New Orleans. But they're, like, in tombs. Yeah. Okay. And mausoleums and things like that. Okay. But, like... I had yeah. no idea. I was just like, yeah, all graveyards are above ground. Like, my part is. I've heard from numerous ghost documentaries that New Orleans is the most haunted city in America. Why would that be, Katrina? <laughs> no. The tour guide definitely told them that these foggy apparitions appear. And George is like, yeah, that's what they are, fog. And Bess is like, oh, yeah, no. Like, I definitely don't believe in spirits. Yeah, Bess is hardcore trying to be cool in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, Nancy notices that the woman from the airplane oh, is following We don't know her we, we should call her Linda. Linda. Little Linda. <laughs> and uh, so Nancy comes up with a trick so that they end up following Linda. She says two can play at that game. Yeah. Which, like, not at the same time, but okay. They follow Linda to an innocent enough looking place with low singing coming from inside. And they think, don't mind if I do, I'll go into this building. Yeah. Then they see a sign for the Church of Eternal Harmony. Getting creepier. Which Bess decides to knock or something. She's so intrigued that all of her fears leave her. Yeah, she's just like, oh, church. (laughs) And they're immediately greeted by a guy who's like, yep, it's this much money to come to my seance. Come on in. Yep. (laughs) And pay up. So they go to a seance like you do. They try to hold back, but (laughs) Bess is in there like that. No, yeah, Bess is on it. She has some questions oh to ask the, the spirits. So yeah, so they're in a seance, and <laughs> the questions are like, if Anton comes back, shall I marry him? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Bess looks like she's going to say something, and Nancy will not let her. It's like three times we had to hear from the book that Nancy is like physically holding Bess from, say, from asking a question. Mm. And it specifically says, because Nancy is sure that Bess is going to ask about their current mystery... And ruin everything. And ruin everything, which would be, A, the the stupidest thing to do, mm. like, outside of burying your jewelry. <laughs> and B, what yes or no question is would Bess even ask? Like, how, excuse That's me. the thing in this book. Nancy thinks Bess is stupider than a woman who buried her jewels in the woods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about apparent intelligence. Like, where, do you, where, where are you seeing Bess at? <sighs> so... At some point during this seance, uh, the painting at the end of the room comes to life. Which you would think would factor in later, but doesn't. But yeah, they've got very cool, very cool tricks. Answers one question and then leaves. Yeah. George, bold as ever, had the temerity to touch the canvas. And it was real. 
Yeah. Which also isn't a clue or anything. It's just they had very good tricks. It's all good. Bess thinks it was great. And she says, we need to go see Norman Towner. He does spirit photos. Nancy and George are like, mm, I don't know. But then Nancy sees Linda going up the stairs to the spirit photography studio. And as George says, up we go. Yeah, I mean, a ghost tour of New Orleans sounds fun, but Nancy hates it. Mm -hmm. uh, unless Linda's there. So they all get their pictures taken. Only Nancy's comes back with a spirit message, as it's called. <gasps> spirit message. It's a big warning. Never, like, to just stop searching for who she's searching for. Just stop it. And just then, the lights go out. There's a cold breeze. Nancy feels a clammy hand at her neck. George has the soundness of mind to grope for the light switch, turn it on. <gasps> Nancy is missing and the photographer is knocked out. They leave the photographer on the ground to find Nancy, can't find her. Find a cop a few blocks away. Thank goodness. Ugh. The photographer is, is mean and not helpful. I have to, okay, so like the very fact that George flipped on the lights... I, I assumed, I think in my head you would assume that, like, they have some extra way of turning the lights out mm -hmm. to scare people. But am I to understand that whoever kidnapped Nancy, like, got full ass into the room to get to the switch mm. before, without anyone noticing? I think because she had glimpsed Linda in the, like, uh, the, what do you call it, the dark room? Yeah. So, so it's a third person. So. It's not yeah. Linda. Yeah. I, and also, I love the jump from cold, clammy hand on neck to fully kidnapped. Yeah. And there, we, we get nothing in between. And it's very rare that you have, like, pages and pages without Nancy present. Always very disorienting. Very awkward. And so George and Bess just, like, go back to their hotel room and awkwardly twiddle their thumbs, I guess. Until... Nancy comes back. Just shows up. Disheveled, not looking great. She says, I'm going to take a shower before we go to the police. And she, yeah, she was just kidnapped, woke up on a strange bed, uh, got out of her ropes like she always does, and climbed <laughs> out a window. All off screen. We don't get, yeah, to, hear, we don't get yeah. to see any of it. We, we get to hear this told to the police. To make matters worse, that spirit message photo, it's gone. Disappeared. Disappeared. Well, none of this has dampened Nancy's taste for mystery. Mm -hmm. Now I'll work even harder to solve this mystery. <laughs> So on the plane back, Bess reveals, finally, that she wasn't going to ask the seance spirit about the current mystery. No. She was going to ask the seance spirit about an ulterior mystery. Little, little does she know they are the same mystery. Yeah, Bess, don't you know how this works? <laughs> it's in the same book. Uh, the Mystery of Lola White. A friend, I guess, of Bess. 18 years old. Who has begun to act very strange. Here are the clues. She has no broken romance in her life. <laughs> she hasn't lost her job. But she won't give her mother all her money from her job. And... She's acting... She's weird. I don't know. Acting weird. She's yes. acting weird. <laughs> so... And it's factory work. We never mentioned that. All these young ladies work in factories if they're not Nancy Drew. It's very strange. Mm. So uh, Nancy goes to meet Lola. Lola is just sitting there in a drooling trance while her mother's like, she won't talk to me anymore or give me money specifically. <laughs> so Nancy's like, well, come for a drive. Well, let's just go for a drive. And Nancy, in a 
total power move just gives this girl the silent treatment until she breaks. <laughs> like, the girl's just, like, more and more uncomfortable with the fact that no one's talking as they're driving along before finally she's like, do you, what, what? Do you want something? And Nancy's like, hey, bae, I'm just here to help. <laughs> so we find out that Lola is in trouble because she has promised all her money to an organization and now she has to give it to them or else it's not good and nancy says hey if an organization wants all your money at the expense of your mother having your money they're the ones that are not good and you should just break that vow baby yeah lola's just like thank you i will she makes a good argument i yeah. i can't help but think about student loans <laughs> i think nancy's quote what is the quote? Easily be applied. I've got the I've got the quote to here. A number of our debts. Any legitimate organization would not take money to the point of depriving another person. If you're paying money to unscrupulous persons, you should have no qualms about breaking that pledge. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Listeners, if anyone's asking for money to you to the point of depriving you or your mothers, mm-hmm. just stop paying them. Yeah. What are they going to do? Evict you? <laughs> you've got rights well she solved that mystery nancy gets home and gets a phone call from mrs putney who says oh i forgot to tell you they told me you know my husband told me that i would know the spot to put the jewelry by three three twigs three twigs Mm -hmm. what what an inscrutable sign it could mean anything So Nancy says, Bess and George, hop in the car. We're going to a walnut tree. She goes back to the forest, spots a girl who looks a lot like Lola White, who is apparently Sadie Green, and uh, they all see her put an envelope into a crook in this tree. Nancy says, okay, I'm going to watch this tree. You run after Sadie Green for me. So George and Bess do, and as usual, they let the, they don't, they're not successful. No. When they're coming back, George thinks she sees a branch bend, starts to tell Bess, then says, oh, never mind. I guess my eyes tricked me. And wouldn't you know it, that envelope is gone from the tree. And so, okay, the branch bending, So there was an idea that it might have been a person walking through the treetops. Mm-hmm. But then it's actually like a fishing rod or something. I think we find out later it wasn't a fishing rod, but that's the current theory. Something bending down. So basically this guy fished the envelope out of the tree from a different tree, outsmarting Nancy yet again. It's very Scooby-Doo levels in this book. I'm just like this poor guy whose job is to sit in a secondary tree all day Mm -hmm. waiting for the mail so he can fish it out. Mm -hmm. So uh, this makes Nancy very thrilled. She says, I understand several things now. She goes, she runs home, finds Ned waiting on the porch. Oh yeah, I'm late for our date. Don't worry, I'll shower and come out. Nancy's porch is the hot spot this book. (laughs) Hannah teases her, you're never home anymore. And uh, she goes to her date, her picnic date. Now, luckily, Nancy's picnic date is within, like, less than a mile from the very tree. Yeah. So she's like, Ned, I need you to periodically check on this tree. They have burgers. They're ravenous for meat burgers. Mm. And uh, Ned and Nancy are just, you know, favorites of the picnic. This is our little foray away from the mystery. We get to see Ned and Nancy 
be so popular because they're so smart and pretty and smile good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go for a, a boat ride. And what does Nancy see but Lola White walking into the lake, I think. Into the river. Just into walk- the Muskoga. The Muskoga, the classic Muskoga. We all know the Muskoga. Mm-hmm. It goes through our town in such a crisscrossy pattern that there's plenty of space for a thousand different <laughs> mansions on it. The point is... <laughs> So Lola's walking into the Muskoga like she's a philia or something. Yeah. And Nancy rescues her, which just means pulling her out of, I assume, like, waist-deep water. Mm-hmm. Uh, stopping the baptism. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Lola just won't talk. Well, at one point she reaches, you know how in the Muskoga there's, like, that ledge? And all of a sudden she plunges. Yeah. That's right. There's, <laughs> there's the ledge where you go from, like, walking... To shark submarines. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So she pulls Lola out of the Muskoga and Lola's just, well, in a trance. Yeah. Well, Nancy is not getting far in this mystery. So mm-hmm. she's basically avoiding Miss Putney now. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I would anyway because the woman's a bit much. <laughs> um, Have you solved my mystery? I've got more secrets mm. for boys and girls. It's not like she has a fascinating doll collection. Right. <laughs> There's nothing. This is one of those unfascinating elderly women. <laughs> one of the few. Um, so Nancy does her detective work. And, you know, we get the, we get, I think there's a library. There's a postal service. There's some good detective work. Yeah. And this is where we find out about fake stock that's being sold. You guys missed the fake stock plotline, I'm sure. Yeah, if you <laughs> if you if you were like, this is pretty good, but where's the fake Wall Street? Uh, three Branch Ranch mm. is the fake stock of this book. Three branches. Three branches. <laughs> Just <laughs> the Riddler is in the White House. Uh, yeah, we saw three branches earlier, so uh, you know it's Chekhov's branches. It connects. They basically decide that they have to tell the postal authorities. Because if fake stock is being sold through the mail, then that's, like, the post office army division. Like, I don't know. They got their own cops or something. Their own jail. Yeah, because somebody had been mailed a, a like, hey, sign up for our stock mailing thing. And, like, yeah, and if you do crime and it touches the mail, the mail in River Heights is, like, the IRS (laughs) for, like, the mafia or whatever. Like, that's how you go down. (laughs) Having a little bit of, of a foot in the door to this mystery... Uh, Nancy goes to Miss Putney and she's like, hey, I have three words for you and I'm going to say them. <laughs> and however you react, I'll know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she's like, you know, do you know the three branch ranch stock? And Mrs. Putney basically faints. Like, she's like, what? <laughs> How could you know of that? <laughs> and what's funny is it's like she really reacts big. But it turns out she had just had a visit from her dead husband. Yeah. Like you do. Only this time he wasn't telling her to bury her jewelry in the forest. <laughs> he was giving her stock tips. Yeah, yeah. And he was, he's like, ooh, three branch ranch, <laughs> dividends. <laughs> <laughs> so Nancy Zulak continues to walk this fine line where she's like, I can't tell you that your dead husband is worm food. <laughs> But maybe something about being dead makes you bad at finance. So let's just hold off. 
And Mrs. Putney is pretty offended by that. And insistent. She's like, Nancy, you do not know what you're talking about. Someday when you're older, you'll understand that anything that says it's a ghost is definitely a ghost. And moreover, my husband, dead or not, is really good at business. I think she did mention that, yeah. And it's like, well, his last advice was not good. Burying your jewelry. But I guess that's not business advice, so maybe he wasn't good at jewelry advice. My husband was wonderful at finance and terrible at hiding his acorns. However, even though she trusts her husband's business judgment without fail, she also trusts Nancy's judgment. So she says... With some fail. Uh, I won't invest. (laughs) Nancy, meanwhile, decides to visit Lola and I guess kind of leverage the fact that she saved her life to get information. So she's like, hey, Lola, how's it going? And Lola's like, um, okay, I guess. You enjoying that life you still have? (laughs) She's like, hey, Lola, do you want to talk about, like, what's going on? Lola sullenly says, no, I don't. (laughs) I love that moment. And yeah, she doesn't give Nancy any more info. She's learned about Sadie. Mm -hmm. another girl that they saw putting things in the tree and she says to lola do you know sadie and she's like oh yeah she works at the grocery store so nancy goes to the grocery stores goes among the commoners sounds disgusting from what i heard and she delays the whole line of customers in the book they're like the line was forming and it was stressful if you've ever had like a cashier hand you (laughs) back your change and you like it won't go into your wallet it's like that but Three times as bad. (laughs) And it turns out it's the wrong Sadie anyway. So Nancy puts an ad in the newspaper. Says, hey, if your name is Sadie, you have blonde hair, come meet me. I have a beautiful gift for you. Do you remember the wanted ad in Redgate Farm? It was like, beautiful women needed farm work. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I guess want ads are just things in this universe where you can kind of be like, hey, are you a Sadie with blonde hair? (laughs) I've got a job for you. Like. So, so Nancy puts her friends Bess and George to work. They have to open all the mail. Mm-hmm. And uh, George says, jumping jellyfish. Only it's like a typo, so it's like jelly-nish. No, that's how they said it back then. <laughs> jumping jelly-nish. And uh, apparently there's just a lot of replies by people wanting a beautiful gift. Luckily, Nancy reads the one letter that's the correct letter. <laughs> Just pulls it out of the pile. So they meet the real Sadie in the park. Well, they manage to sufficiently creep this poor girl out uh, to the point where she's like, keep your beautiful gift. I'm out of here. So they look her up in the phone book and go and pester her dad. Who's a, or no, her grandfather. She lives with her grandfather. And uh, apparently he's just a very lonely old man. So they just... Get him talking about his daughter. It's a very similar case to Lola. And guess what? She's not giving him any money anymore. I know, it's horrible. (laughs) So, uh, Nancy decides she's going to try to write a letter to the walnut tree and trick the bad guys into giving her information somehow. Maybe she'll get a seance invite. And she goes to the library to do some research. So at the library, she learns about Blackwood Hall (gasps) from the title. (laughs) And Humphrey's Woods. Oof. Not in title. Mm-mm. And Jonathan's Ghost. Mm. 
also, I guess from the title, maybe. Maybe that's the ghost. Yep, that's the ghost. Um, the Black Walnut Tree is in Humphreys Woods, which are around Blackwood Hall, where Jonathan's ghost lives. The book says, she must investigate Blackwood Hall, although she smiled at the thought of any ghost walking there. Like, any moment ghosts come up, we have to be reminded. Nancy was not in on that. She did not believe it. <laughs> nope, nope. Jonathan's ghost, he died in a duel. Yeah. And I guess they put a plaque on the tree he died next to. Yeah, so it's basically this, like, River Heights folklore. Go to Humphreys Woods for a scare. Ne- so Ned brings her to the to Humphreys Woods when she's written the walnut tree and gets a letter back. So they say, name the girlfriend who suggested you leave that letter. Uh-oh exclaimed ned (laughs) looks as if you've really put your foot in it now nancy (laughs) a lot of faith from ned (laughs) ned is like kind of expecting the worst throughout this book (laughs) what this really sucks you don't have mysteries or what (laughs) nancy again sends them a note from ruby who is her fake persona throughout all these letters she just has horrible spelling but in this one she's just like what i don't get it what's a tree (laughs) she's like that'll make them think poor ruby is dumb so she says to ned oh my dad always recommends that you try to arrange the facts differently if you're not you know solving the case or you just get a change of scenery and i feel like this is the first time we've seen any actual advice from carson in order to solve any puzzle you have to move the pieces yes <laughs> she somehow gets best and george to go with her to blackwood hall why not a place they have no business being she tries to sell this to best by saying it's haunted sure has a secret tunnel right and is said to house the ghost of one jonathan humphrey you love it would you like to explore it with me? That's a, that is Bess bait. <laughs> Bess is like, what? Bess does not want to. No. But when George says, I want to, she's like, okay, I'm going with you. There's a summer storm brewing, but we're going to still go investigate this haunted house that for all we know, we cannot get into. Luckily, when they try to get in, the door is unlocked. Just as they get in, the storm breaks. Yep. Nancy's like, ah, it's just pretty nice in here. Just then, a door bangs shut. Goose, says George. It's only the wind. Suddenly, <laughs> a ghost begins playing the organ. <laughs> but when they see the organ, it's dusty and hasn't been played in years. Bess, somebody's ghost does live here. So Bess leaves, and George says, To tell you the truth, I'm a little nervous, too. So am I, says Nancy. Because it's probably a person. Yeah, yeah. Due to the existence of human criminals. (laughs) Just then they hear a scream from outside. Who who could it be? It's Bess. There's your answer. And she screamed, I think, for a a fair reason. Yeah. Because she saw something scary. Yeah. Let me check here. A man. Unfortunately, the man has gotten away during Bess's, I guess, prolonged scream. Nancy, wanting to continue to search the building, goes back, but finds... Surprise! The door is now locked. Uh-oh. It's a one-use door, Nancy. <laughs> no problem, says Nancy. I'll just get Ned to bring me back later. <laughs> 
So when Nancy gets home, she finds out Mrs. Putney has been trying to get a hold of her by phone all day long. <laughs> she says, Ned, let's go. Let's go where we rescued Lola and walk into the woods blindly and try to find a seance. Because they managed to get into quicksand. Right. This is a sexy part of the book. There is so much tension here. (laughs) Once they... It's very romantic. It's a very romantic date. Probably the most romantic Ned has had since the Ferris wheel got stuck. Yeah. Because now they're stuck. Big heart made of quicksand. (laughs) Yeah. And he says, Nancy... Leave me. Save yourself. And Nancy refuses to. So she's just going to die? Well, they're shouting their hardest, Carl, to get rescued. But if she can get out... It's romantic, Carl. You should learn romance. Ned offers his corpse. Yeah. He says, climb on on board, baby, (laughs) and you can escape. And she says, that will kill you. Mm -hmm. And he says, that's that's worth it to me for two reasons. One, I love you. Two, you won't take me up on this, so it's fine. It's romance. (laughs) They yell and yell. Everything looks desperate. They're despairing. Nancy's starting to wish she had taken Ned up on his corpse offer. (laughs) And and just then, Ned strikes bottom. (gasps) This isn't a very deep quicksand. Like, they aren't under... Like of their course. Their heads aren't under the sea. The only thing that could save them is never having been in any danger in the first place. <laughs> yep. Ned manages to lift her out, and then she gets a rope and does a pulley over a tree type thing and gets him out. They've really bonded through this experience, though. That's true. They lie in each other's <laughs> sandy arms. For several minutes. Neither was able to speak. So exhausted were they from their violent efforts. River Heights, after dark. (laughs) And then they just laugh at each other and how they look. And they decide, no more mystery. We want to go get clean. Yeah. So Nancy, the next morning, goes to visit Mrs. Putney, Mm -hmm. who is still in her nightgown and is like, I was up late last night. I'm in no mood, Nancy. Mm. And Nancy is like, no, 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 no. You want to talk to me. And Mrs. Putney, halfway teasing, says, it seems to me you're always away when I need you, Nancy. Mrs. Putney's like a cat. Mm. Like, let me in the mystery. Let me in the mystery. Let me in the mystery. I don't want to come in. Nancy was careful to hide her impatience. (laughs) (laughs) And she... Basically just makes a guess that maybe Mrs. Putney was at a seance last night and that's why she's tired. Duh. (laughs) Seances. They keep you up all night. They're like the raves of River Heights. (laughs) So Mrs. Putney's like, a gasp. I was at a seance. How did you know? You see, a veiled woman picked me up in her black town car. It was unmarked. She drove me until I fell asleep. As if drugged. <laughs> you know, it's like a, it's, she's like a, she's like a bull. She just sees red flags and runs right at him. Yeah, she really does. <laughs> Nancy's quote, deeply disturbed by this, by this <laughs> yeah, me too. description. Long story short, she's taken to a seance where she, she doesn't know where it is. All she knows is financial advice is always given at a seance. Yep. Her husband, <laughs> She knows it was truly her husband because he called her Addie. Oh, yeah. That's her nickname. Only he called her that. And no one could know that. No. Um, let me see. I wrote down what else he knew. The Wi-Fi password. <laughs> <laughs> her mother's maiden name. 
<laughs> uh, so, yeah, clearly it's not a trick, says Mrs. Putnam. Unfortunately, Nancy saw that Mrs. Putnam was fast falling under the spell of phonies. But Mrs. Putney is sure that these spiritualists have nothing to do with the jewelry. No. <laughs> She's a better detective than Nancy, and Nancy should would, would be smart to read up on it. Carson, at this point, is like, we should involve the police. Here's what we'll do. Let's get the cops involved. It's always fun. We'll go and we'll search Blackwood Hall. Stay with me. For seances. Fake seances. Which suggests real seances. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Well, only the fake ones are illegal. I mean, I'm glad it's not illegal to contact the dead. But it's still strange if you have success and you, what, can't prove it was real that you're illegal? I don't know how these laws work. For a while, I think we've seen a trend that if Nancy and Carson are not in River Heights, they're much more hesitant to call the police. And if they're in River oh Heights... Oh my god. It's like, oh, They have our department friendly. wrapped around their middle At finger. At this point, they are like besties with Chief McGinnis. Is the RHPD on the big Carson payroll? I think so. Well... I'll give you a little evidence to that. Carson says, no problem, I can get a warrant. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, and he does this because Nancy wants Ned and Carson to go with her to Blackwood Hall. And he's about to say no, but she gets out her pleading eyes. Also, Carson realized that they might very well make important discoveries. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> While we're there. While we're there, can you pick me up an important discovery? But when they get there, there are no auto tracks, much to Nancy's disappointment. So this probably isn't the place Mrs. Putney described going. No auto tracks. I guess this isn't a dubstep album. <laughs> Carson decides that the scamps have removed all the evidence from Blackwood Hall. Those motherfucking scamps. So... They break in, and it's in the dumbest way possible. Because first of all, I thought he had a warrant. Second of all, they try the doorknob. It doesn't work. Ned's like, maybe it's just stuck. Let's try extra hard. And they break the lock with their mighty man strength. <laughs> Inside, Ned says, this dim light would make anybody think he saw ghosts. I don't know about you, but I don't just think I see ghosts because the light is dim. Valentine's Day. <laughs> a moody Italian restaurant. Ned, Nancy. Was that a ghost? <laughs> Nancy, at this point, finds a secret room. Yeah. She figures out that the real organ is behind the, real the organ. The organ is behind the organ, Hope. Because Always. the front organ won't play. And behind there's a door, and I don't remember the details. They're actually pretty good about architecture in this one. They're really clear about, like, where everything is. To yeah. the point where I began to forget. Yeah. Even Carl didn't pay attention. She goes down the stairs. There's a secret room with a green light. Door slams. Then she gets her flashlight knocked out of her hand. Typical. <laughs> she gets out of the secret room. And she realizes that not only is she now missing her flashlight, she is also missing her men. She cannot find Carson and Ned anywhere. So for some reason, she decides maybe they're tied up in that secret room she just came from. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> so she goes back down. Anyways, at some point in the course of looking for Ned and Carson in Blackwood Hall, 
she sees a wraith-like figure emerge from one wall, go up the stairs as she follows it, and it just goes through another wall. Now, I don't know about you, Carl, but at the point that I see a wraith-like figure going through, physically going through walls, that's when I start to wonder, is this a ghost? Yeah, but also, if I see a wraith-like figure or any person going through a door, it's weird that I would mistake that for going through a wall. Yeah. Well, Nancy determines that the wall doesn't have any secret sliding panels or anything. But, like, it will. Like, I, you know... I think in this case, it was like a team effort where they were opening the door, she was going through, and then they were closing it. So that there would be no motion that she's, like, opening. Because I think later they're explaining that that's what the elevator was for. Oh. So yeah. it's So it's really mysterious and spooky, like, when I enter a convenience store. Yeah. It's like and those that. doors open without well, me touching anything. Well, that dim light, Carl. Huh? You're forgetting the dim light. I forgot about the dim light. At this point, she's like, <laughs> oh, I know. Maybe I'll just go to the car. Maybe they're waiting for me there. I, that seems more likely than this than locked up in the secret room to me. This is like like when I lose my keys and I check the freezer before I, <laughs> before I end up checking my coat. Yeah. She goes outside, but the car is gone. Did they leave her? Oh, I bet I know where the car is. It's probably in that secret room tied up. <laughs> no. Uh, well, no, they didn't leave her because from the woods, like, uh, like two woodsmen, no, two deer fawn stumble ned and carson i can't think of anything else that's in the woods apparently the car was stolen carson finds a tubular piece of metal like i can see uh running and losing a little piece of metal yeah are you as a thief gonna lose your whole shortwave radio i didn't even pick up that it was dropped by the thief i knew he found it i just assumed we have a litter problem (laughs) it's probably those teenage kids yeah. Oh, they go out, they leave their cigarette butts, their beer cans, their shortwave radios. <laughs> so Ned uses the shortwave radio, the same way teens love to, to call the police. Yeah. This is the pre-cell phone cell phone. Nancy should just carry one of these all the time. Now, the police show up and they're like, here's the thing about everything you're telling us. We don't believe you. The book says, in all fairness, Nancy could not blame the troopers for being a trifle skeptical, but obviously, this old house had been used by an unscrupulous gang. One of my favorite things is that obvious? the number of titles that they go through for this right. group. It's hard to say what they are. Yeah. Are they racketeers? Are they a mob? Are they an unscrupulous gang? Are they, what's the I don't remember the other one. Scamps. Scamps. (laughs) Luckily, there's one trooper who's even smarter than Nancy, and he IDs the metal, the little piece of metal, as part of a magician's or fake medium's equipment. There it is. It's pretty specific. Seeing something that a magician would use makes sense. But seeing that same thing and being like, definitely a magician or a fake medium. Yeah. You know, I I always love to go out and see the fake mediums doing their card tricks <laughs> and with their white rabbits. This trooper must be new to town because he insists that they need to turn over the evidence to him. You absolute Jay, where are you from? Even the shortwave radio. But it's nice. Yeah, it's useful. Yeah. Why didn't we always have one? Their car is found at, near Lake Jasper, uninjured. 
perfectly normal car, some gas station attendant jokes that it was probably just kids out on a joyride. But that's not what Carson thinks. It's not funny to me. Nancy finds out from Bess that Lola is now talking about Nancy in her sleep. Immediately, Nancy decides that the unscrupulous gang is turning all of their cult members against her of course so she calls mrs putney who will who just doesn't answer her phone so she says i'll fix that she she takes bus and they go to mrs putney's house where mrs putney is outside picking flowers <laughs> mrs putney seeing them immediately runs into her house oh no oh no so they knock on her door many times and she will not answer it so they go to visit lola Lola is rude to them and says they can't come in. Her mom scolds her. Nancy's like, it's okay. And somehow that was code. I still don't get it. So Nancy says, don't worry. We're not leaving. We're going to wait until Lola leaves and follow her, Bess. Bess gets sick of sitting in this increasingly warm and stuffy car. (laughs) How's Bess not used to that by now? She says... Bye, Nancy. I I imagine just the mild weather of River Heights is all that was saving Mm -hmm, Nancy's mm -hmm. detective work. But luckily, Nancy doesn't give up, and she follows Lola to the post office. (gasps) That's the place where crime happens. Yeah, she sees Lola mailing a letter. Crime. Immediately decides that now they're using the post office instead of walnut trees. Should have been doing that from the beginning. Loses track of Lola, so she goes back to the post office where she spots Linda, the plain woman, at the (laughs) post office. After... Y'all are following this, right? Yeah. After asking the clerk, who was that? He tells her, that's Mrs. Frank Immer. Frank Immer. She told her, us, her name was Linda. (laughs) I like how much of this mystery boils down to Nancy Drew and the mystery of three people not liking her. Yeah. Well, Nancy follows this mysterious woman to the Claymore Hotel, where she finds out her name there is given as Mrs. Frank Egan. She just walked out, says the hotel clerk. The point is... Nancy follows her to the airport. Every clerk she talks to to has a different name for this woman. Yes, that's the point. Nancy goes to her friend, who's a hotel clerk. He's a little hesitant, but she's done work for him before. Nancy takes some of the Claymore Hotel stationery, and her new plan is to pretend to be, the new name is going to be Hilda Egan. She convinces the clerk this isn't fraud, because I'm using a different name. And you're not the postal service. (laughs) Uh, So Sadie Green's the only one who writes back. Telling her that she is willing to give her bonus to those poor orphans at the Three Branch Ranch home for orphans. The fact of the matter is, Hope, according to Nancy, there's no greater appeal than that of poor starving orphans. She should know. That's why the criminals love to use them. That is her favorite demographic. (laughs) Yeah, especially if they're rich. Mm. Poor starving orphans. Yep. (laughs) Secretly rich. Uh, she says to herself, the very idea of trying to rob hardworking girls with such hocus pocus. <laughs> Nancy has a plan, though, to save Sadie Green. It's money. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, really, her grandfather. And her grandfather. <laughs> yeah. So Nancy determines they're going to pull off a fake seance. Of course. She is the veiled woman in the car. 
Carson is the driver, who Nancy jokes looks like a second story man. What is that? Apparently a second story man is like a robber because they would enter the second story story. window. You know, going up the ladder. The classic Nancy Drew thief. (laughs) Did did Carson Drew wear like a full ski mask for this? Like, What did he think he was supposed to be wearing as a chauffeur? Uh, I don't know, but they said he was hiding his face. Alright, yeah, I guess so. uh, Incompetent Ned is in charge of working the props, which apparently he just fumbles constantly and almost drops all the time. Yeah, the seance goes really well, except for this, in the background you can hear, Oops! So they pretend to be Sadie's grandfather, and they tell her to only listen to people who say their names backwards. Sadie doesn't get it, so they have to give her an example. She's like, oh, okay, backwards names. Later when they try this with her, she still doesn't get it. <laughs> it was a, This password was a little too complicated. So Nancy, Carson, and Ned go home to celebrate their fake seance with milk and ham sandwiches. Mm-mm. Ned, unwilling to accept that he's a bumbler, blames Nancy's equipment which wasn't apparently high grade enough for him gee nancy your equipment sure was so slippery (laughs) i can easily understand says nancy how a person like sadie would be so gullible but it's almost unthinkable that mrs putney would fall for that stuff i am so much more ready to believe that mrs putney a woman who is grieving her recently deceased husband, who she clearly loved very much, would be willing to believe in seances and ghosts. Then, like, Sadie and Lola, who, so far as we know, lost nobody. Like, this is her grandfather, I guess, but this is the first time she's talked to her grandfather at a seance. Right. They're like, getting, like, third cousins coming in and being like, buy stock at Three Branch Ranch. Yes, like, like, okay. I guess so. If it's important enough to leave the side of God Almighty in heaven to tell me, then I should try it out. And I guess the implication with Sadie is that she's pretty dumb, but like Lola isn't supposed to be. I don't know. I, I don't... Sadie is kind of coded to be a hillbilly. I, it does not make any sense to me. Well, it makes more sense to me with Mrs. Putney. I think grief well, yeah. can make you really want to believe things. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying is like Nancy's whole thing is that Mrs. Putney couldn't be tricked. But as far as I know, she's the only one who makes sense. Two more letters come, but they are intercepted. The criminals get them first. Oh, no. They're on to Nancy. I guess. <laughs> Nancy's weird half-assed plan. Luckily, Nancy feels that we're coming to the end of this whole thing. Yeah. I feel that there will be a showdown within the next few days, Ned. Ned says, I want to be there. <laughs> Just like I think the first time he said that kind of sentiment. This got my hopes up so much. The rest of the book seemed so much longer because I kept thinking we were almost done. Yeah, we're like, out of nowhere, Nancy's <laughs> like, we're almost done with this pretty much, I bet. So Nancy wants to go back to Blackwood Hall to inspect those wheelbarrow tracks that she completely forgot about uh they follow the wheelbarrow tracks and they find a cabin in a clearing we haven't seen one of those in a while (laughs) nancy wants to follow the road they see out back but best reminds them that they're over a mile from their car at this point so they go back to their car they use it they find the road they see a woman go down one road it's a veiled woman. I think they see Mrs. P in the back of the car. 
So they write down the license plate number, which later we find out is Mrs. Putney's license plate number. And that cracks the case, right? No. Uh, no. But they now are at the cabin, since they followed that road, where Nancy runs off to do some investigating. <laughs> As always. George is supposed to watch the cabin. Eventually, she sees smoke coming out the windows and the chimney and decides to rescue whoever's in there by breaking a window. Sure. At which point she figures out this is no ordinary smoke (gasps) and it just dissipates and she doesn't know what to do now. Like the smoke a magician would use or a fake medium. (laughs) She's increasingly worried because she can't find Nancy. Yeah, later we find that the bad guy just wanted to try out a new type of quote-unquote spirit smoke. Yeah, it's just... She just interrupted a trial. <laughs> yeah. Hannah can't be convinced not to call the police at this point. Because and... Nancy got knocked out. When George couldn't find her, it turned out that she was knocked out by a walnut tree when she saw a letter in it. Well, we don't know who she was wa- knocked out by. We don't know. The joke was it sounded like she was knocked out oh by a walnut tree. Oh my gosh, shut up. Uh, he found evidence. Recent residents were interested in magic. Oh. <gasps> So Nancy goes to see Mrs. Putney. She's not home. She's like, hi, neighbor. Does Mrs. Putney have a car? Sure, it's in her garage. Go right in. So Nancy goes into the garage and sees that Mrs. Putney's license plate is is not hers. It's not the same number. Gasp. She brings that to the police. The police say, oh, that's from a stolen license plate. Not car. But that license plate is registered as stolen. So she goes back to Mrs. Putney, who is carrying a bunch of packages, and says, hey, can I help you carry these? She lets her help her carry those, (laughs) but she will not let her in the house. So Nancy's like, hey, by the way, everything's bad. Your license plate was stolen. We thought we saw you. She's like, it wasn't me. I wasn't in that area, and my license plate wasn't stolen. They, (laughs) They go to the car, and sure enough, it's Mrs. Putney's license plate on Mrs. Putney's car. Nancy, you're bungling this. But also, like, why did the thieves do that? Like, how could they have possibly known that, that Nancy had seen the license plate? Do they have an inside too at the police station? Well, like, it's a little bit like that metal pipe they picked up earlier due yeah. to the scream. Like, they're just, like, one step behind Nancy trying to clean up their act. I guess so. One of them is just on Nancy duty. Supposedly, Mrs. Putney is on vacation, but she's probably just hiding from Nancy. Lola has also disappeared. No one wants anything to do with Nancy. <laughs> That's Except a for a crying woman in the park. Yes. Here's a little aside. Nancy's in the park. She sees a crying woman. She's like, hey, what's wrong? And the crying woman says, see, chapter one. Copy, paste. Because <laughs> the same thing's happening to her. <laughs> Not the jewelry, but her daughter is... The same as Lola White. The same. There's a three-branch ranch. The money's gone. Mm-hmm. Nancy uh, seems to know all of this because she's like, oh, is your daughter doing blank? Is she doing blank? Mm-hmm. And the woman says, you must be a policewoman. <laughs> yeah, that's the only option. Nancy's like, no, I'm good at this. Some of Mrs. Putney's jewelry is found in Chicago at this point, but not, I guess, the most important of the jewelry. Did they say where it was found? 
Just in Chicago. I like to imagine it was buried there. Nancy decides that Lola and Mrs. Putney could not have been kidnapped because these thieves were too clever to resort to kidnapping. Wasn't Nancy already kidnapped in this very book? Never mind, it's fine. Nancy talks to the neighbors and finds Mrs. Putney's husband had a hunting lodge at Lake Jasper. <gasps> they found the car at Lake Jasper. Connection. So, Hannah, Bess, and George... Go with Nancy to Lake Jasper. Right away, they see Lola in a trance, doesn't recognize them. We find out she's been working as Mrs. Putney's maid under the name Violet. They talk to a banker who apparently Carson helped one time, so is willing to completely tell Nancy everything about Mrs. Putney's business. Oh yeah, she was here. She took everything out of her lockbox, blah, blah, blah. Nancy calls the police because she needs some strong men and that it was also time that the law stepped in. They watch Mrs. Putney's house. They catch a robber going in, presumably trying to haunt the place. But the guy won't talk. Nancy thinks that this guy is familiar, but she's unable to identify him. Meanwhile, Mrs. Putney is packing and when Nancy shows up to speak with her, made an effort to hide her displeasure at seeing Nancy and her friends. But Nancy, through the art of just talking, I guess, and being Nancy, wins back Miss Putney's trust. It isn't difficult. You just have to say, trust me. Miss Putney was, quote, ready to admit that she had been foolish, but would not promise to return all her money to the bank. Yeah, I've been a little stupid with my money, and my husband isn't as good financially as he used to be. (laughs) But... What if opposite? Mrs. Putney also says she doesn't want her maid around if she's under some sort of mesmeric spell. She's like, that's dangerous. <laughs> Nancy brings her out of the mesmeric spell with a f- another fake seance. George works the props this time, so it goes much better. She uses a huge fan to make the fire do things and phosphorus oil to make a glow. And uh, Lola faints. And then she wakes up as Lola. I don't understand how a seance hypnotizes a person, Mm -hmm. but I super don't understand how it dehypnotizes a person. (laughs) Nancy is convinced that Mrs. Putney will probably call on her later, and so she leaves. Nancy also puts together in her own head that this whole gang is a bunch of brothers. And that's why that guy looked familiar to her. Of course. He also looks like the photographer in New Orleans. So there's the photographer, the guy, a third person, Mm -hmm. three brothers, three sticks, three branch ranch. Mm -hmm. The Joker is at the White House. Now, I know it's a little bit late in the book, but at this point, Nancy receives a warning letter (laughs) from Mrs. Egan. A little cease and desist here. (laughs) Nancy is like, how did Mrs. Egan find me? I know. There must be a snitch. And the only snitch (laughs) that I can imagine is that strange woman from the park. Yep. She's like, I never should have talked to that woman. Mm -hmm. What am I, best on an airplane? (laughs) I'll never be a detective. (laughs) Yeah. So Nancy detectives this woman's home address. And she shows up. And the woman's like... Oh, you saved my daughter. I did what you said, and everything's better, and I'm legit, and this is real, and you're a big idiot for thinking otherwise. Her daughter is also grateful. 
Yeah, the daughter's name is Nellie, and apparently she was scared off from the whole thing when she showed up to get her letter and heard somebody getting knocked out. Right, which was Nancy being knocked out by the walnut tree. Yes. Meanwhile, uh, the prisoner, one of the three brothers, has broken out of jail. Oh no, how would that happen? Cleverness and wiles. (laughs) Guys. I love how she has to be on the phone with the police officer and explain to him how his prisoner got out. Right, he's like, it's absolutely impossible. We have the highest security in all of River Heights. There's no way out. And, but there was a ghost in the cell. How are you going to get secure against ghosts? The cell was opened, obviously, by our volunteer night watchman because it was the ghost of his ex-wife. Yeah. Well, late wife. The point is... <laughs> what? He knew it was the ghost of his late wife because she specifically mentioned his son's names and that was just good enough for him. But we know it's a ghost because there's no other way... For anyone to get in there, or certainly have the green glow paint and robes. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course, a woman did visit. We let a woman go in there. We let a woman go in there and be alone with him. Oh, yeah, because she fainted. She fainted. And why did we let a woman go in there? Because she said she thought she knew the prisoner. No, never mind, she didn't. She fainted. Goodbye. Oh, back at Blackwood Hall, by the way, I hope Nancy finds a secret elevator. Ned guessed that it was a secret staircase, and Nancy's like, no, I think it's a secret elevator. Come on, Ned, you stand outside with your shortwave radio and keep watch. First thrill of discovery gave way to a cry of horror. (gasps) Nancy removes the panel, sees the old-fashioned elevator. Mm. She sees what it looks like, she sees what it's constructed of, and then after like a paragraph, she notices there are two men standing in it. Yep, yep. Howard and John Brex are in the elevator. Howard says, you've made enough trouble for us. Nancy says, I'm not afraid of you or your brother. They reveal that they know her boyfriend Ned is outside. We'll take care of him, they say, as soon as we've disposed of you. Though the story doesn't say this, under one of the pictures, for whatever reason, it says, Nancy Drew, you've made enough trouble. Howard rasped. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of dust in that old elevator. What do you plan to do with me? We'll take care of you so you never bother us again. <laughs> Fact is, we've decided since you have a bunch of fondness for ghosts, we're going to let you spend the rest of your life as one. They're going to kill her. This is the creepiest I've seen since that spider guy. Yeah, it's very weird that I... <laughs> Enjoy living with the ghost of Blackwood Hall, remember, from the title. (laughs) You had plenty of warning, but would you mind your own business? No! (laughs) Nancy knew she must keep them talking. We'll be able to take a long vacation with all the money we've got, they brag. You would think that they would be able to do more than just take a vacation. Like, they've got this whole setup. Mm-hmm. Was this just all for one vacation? Mm-hmm. For the for the PTO? Yeah, so this is where we get the big reveal. She asks all the questions. They brag about everything they've done. So much bragging. Uh, but when Nancy asks who drove the car... They say, wouldn't you like to know? That's the, there's always like one small holdout. I'll tell you everything but my name. Here's our plan. Who drove the car? I don't remember. Wouldn't you like to know? So most of the talking has been, been done by Howard. Mm-hmm. And now John finally steps up. He says, that'll be enough from you, young lady. 
I'm getting fed up with this dame's wisecracks, Howie. This has gone far enough, he says. Brutally. Nancy Drew, you're about to take your last ride. In a few moments, young lady, you're going to join the ghosts of Blackwood Hall. They're just really layering this ghost threat. And I love that Nancy apparently doesn't get what they're threatening. Yeah, she's like, join the ghosts. Join the ghosts. For tea or... (laughs) So they take all of Nancy Drew's stuff and they close her in the old elevator. Now, when I think of an old elevator, I think it's got like a concierge in it. Like, what is an old elevator? It's one from, like, a department store, maybe? No. I imagine an old cage, like, in The Rescuers. Right. Even the, even then, no. Mm-hmm. This is just, like, a platform on a rope. Mm-hmm. This is no more than what you might see at, like, a construction site or something, mm-hmm. but in a, in a stone chimney. So, they push her in here, they drop some phosphorus oil in there, and they trap her between floors. Those fiends. They've probably added a deadly sleeping potion for me to inhale. I mean, if you're going to drop phosphorus in it, you might add some deadly sleeping potion. That's what they meant by saying I would join the ghost. Oh, because it's a sleepy (laughs) ghost. I get it. I'll die at Blackwood Hall, too. (gasps) Oh! (laughs) For an instant, Nancy nearly gave way to panic. Then reason reasserted itself she covers her face with a handkerchief (laughs) she jams the bottle with her suit jacket and then she passes out (laughs) nancy sleeps for a while but when she wakes up she feels very refreshed that was a good ass nap (laughs) the old house was still as still as death itself Worried about Ned, for whatever reason. Nancy's like, well, Ned might be really getting it out there. Well, they said they were going to dispose of him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's not like they have an elevator to put him in out there. (laughs) Uh, Nancy desperately hopes that Hannah has called the police by now. By the luminous hands on Nancy's wristwatch, it's been over two hours. (laughs) What a weird connection, because, like, Every seance had this luminous hand. Yeah. Like, they kept bringing that up. Mm-hmm. A and fake magician's luminous, luminous hand. hand. <laughs> and then they were, like, by the luminous hands of her watch. And it's another one of these Nancy Drew connections where, like, you're like, are they trying to do something? Or did they just have that in their head? That word was just, like, really stuck with them. Having been stuck for two hours, Nancy says, it's no use. But then the next second, instantly, she added, I mustn't give up hope. It's not even like, it's one sentence. Mm -hmm. It's no use, I mustn't give up hope. Yep. Then she hears Bess's high-pitched voice. Then Carson, Hannah, and George. They end up having to tear the wall down because they can't figure out anything about how to open secret doors. (laughs) Well, here goes the wall, they say. Immediately, Nancy's like, is Ned safe? Carson's like, haven't seen him. I don't know. (laughs) Is that important to you? <laughs> and uh, so they leave to get into the car. Nancy not really panicking that much about Ned at this point. Isn't that okay? I don't know. All right. <laughs> but as soon as they get outside, who should come out of the woods? Like so many baby deer. <laughs> but Ned with a procession of police officers. Two men, two women are surrounded by these state troopers. <laughs> it's the gang of unscrupulity. Unscru- 
<laughs> Nancy is overjoyed. There are more confessions all around. Yes, we were in New Orleans. Yes, we kidnapped you. The Except what? for John. John's like, what are you guys doing? Shut up, John. We're doing confessions. It's fun. <laughs> Good work, Ned, says Nancy, giving him the most affection we've seen in 20-some books. <laughs> the, the arrogance of the gang is completely gone. Howard is completely crestfallen as Nancy tells the police everything Howard confessed to. <laughs> Should I have not done that? When Ned finds out that Nancy almost died, he is super remorseful that he left her behind to chase after the thieves to smoke out the gangsters, as he calls it. Oh, they're gangsters. Okay. I'll never do that again, he says. He's like, I don't know. I got a real good nap out of it. <laughs> Nancy wants her her gang <laughs> to, yep. to take an elevator ride with her. I've got something to show you. She finds another secret room. Of course. And there is a mannequin in flimsy white. Some reaching rods. Right. Oh, like the ones that magicians or fake mediums use? (laughs) Bottles of phosphorus oil and a pile of books on hypnotism. That's how they learned about hypnotism. (laughs) It was the books all along. Plus box upon box of envelopes stuffed with bills. Because at no point did they, like, deposit their goddamn money. And a li- oh, a convenient list of those swindled yep. by the spirit racket. Oh, they're spirit racketers. Yep, yep. <laughs> Plus they found jeweler's tools for making fake jewels in case you want to prove that you're doing crime. Yep. <laughs> George even finds one envelope with Mrs. Putney's gems in them. She'll keep those. Mrs. Putney, I was not fair to you, Nancy. In my thoughts, <laughs> I really thought some really dark, nasty stuff about you, Nancy. It was me. No. Uh, you've made me realize how utter... I love this. You've made me realize how utterly stupid I was to be fooled. Of course my husband isn't communicating with me. He hated me. Uh, Mrs. Putney rewards Nancy... With a, with a, is it a, was it a cameo, cameo ring? ring? What's a cameo ring? Is it just, like, you can't see it well? Is it cameo? <laughs> no, a cameo, isn't it like a silhouette? Ooh. Like a simil- silhouette of a face. Nancy, as usual, insists she had a lot of fun, but this time she stipulates she did not have fun in the quicksand or the elevator. Is quicksand what a quagmire is? That's what they kept calling it. A oh, quagmire of quicksand. Okay. It that's, was both. That's good. Mm-hmm. But Nancy, humble as over, always, says, I would never have done it without... Sorry. Nancy, humble as always, says, I would never have done it without all the help you gave me. Ridiculous, says Carson. <laughs> Mrs. Putney thinks she could do the next case single-handed. I guess we'll find out in the clue of the leaning chimney, Carl. George says, laughing, say... We learned enough about magician's tricks to go into ghost business ourselves. Right? Should we? (laughs) How about fitting up a studio at Blackwood Hall and running seances? (laughs) I love this because, like, good idea. Beth shivered. We've learned it never pays to flim-flam the public. 
which is the opposite of what I learned. <laughs> I learned it pays terrifically well, and you just have to not cross one teen detective. Well, you have to be more specific. Don't say no man or woman. Like, why would you do that? Just say nobody. Just don't tell anybody. Don't replace the jewels. Yeah, that that's another big lesson. Don't like, be too clever for your own good. It, yeah, honestly, just have people bury their valuables. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Well, the real moral of the story, as Nancy points out, is it's way more fun to catch the people who try to do the flim flamming. Flim flam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you all for joining us for our flim flam. (laughs) This has been a terrific episode. Uh, I can't wait for next time. Until then, I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. Go Wildcats! By the way, this was not the one that the video game was of. Oh, no. That one occurs in, like, Germany. We never get to play any video games. I think it was the Black Forest. Black Forest Ham or something. (laughs) We'll get to it. (laughs) We might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime i have a we have a there's a host of video games we can um oh i don't know put them on our patreon remember to support us at our patreon (laughs) you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our patreon river heights radio we'd really appreciate it instagram at river heights radio twitter at river heights fm river heights radio on facebook and river heights radio on youtube uh and give us a review or five stars on uh, apple podcast or spotify or stitcher or wherever you're listening yeah if you listen this far i mean why not we actually put a, a lot of hours into